I want to tell you about Anchor because it's what I use to record these podcasts. Why do I use it? Number one, it's free. Number two, it's simple. I don't have a lot of tech skills, but I don't need to because Anchor does a lot of the work for you. And as you know, many of you who know, I'm a career woman. I do this as a hobby on the side in my free time, and I love my kids and my family, and I don't want it to take more time than it needs to. (laughs) So thank you, Anchor, for that. It's the creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And so they also distribute it for you anywhere you hear podcasts like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the different ones. You can make money from it if you choose to with no minimum listenership. And it's got everything you need to make the podcast in one place. So I would encourage you to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. I'm your hostess, Lori Adams-Brown, and you are listening to episode five. Welcome to this special episode where we are commemorating the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. On August 18th, 1920, one man switched his vote in the state of Tennessee at the urging of a letter from his own mother to vote in favor of ratifying the 19th Amendment, which granted women in this nation the right to vote. We are celebrating 100 years of voting in the United States of America, and this is important because it allowed women to not only vote, but it also uh, led them to be able to take political office and make decisions on behalf of themselves, their children, their husbands, their families. And today, we take for granted some in some ways that we can just go to the polls and vote. But this was something that was fought for for decades, almost 100 years. And the struggle was long and hard and complicated, full of some really big mistakes as we would look at them today. Many uh, of the women involved in this movement were very racist in their choices that they made in terms of in previous years not supporting the the amendment that allowed black people in the United States of America the right to vote by not including their black um, women friends with them in this whole endeavor and on purpose excluding them. Not everyone, but many of them were uh, involved in these kinds of behaviors and choices. And so it, we look back on this time not with um, star, starry eyes and, um, you know, holding these all, every single one of these women up to hero status, but we realized that they were complicated figures. And um, some were very um, honoring of the black women around them and wanting to include them, and others just simply were not. So it was, certainly was not a monolith. They weren't all the same. But we do just want to pause and in gratitude remember the, the long struggle that it took to get women the right to vote. And these women weren't only going after suffrage. They were going after a lot of other things. So if you look at what was going on at the Seneca Falls Convention, they were talking about suffrage, the right to vote, but they were also talking about women's rights in other areas as well. The women were basically treated as the property of their husbands in many respects, and so there were other discussions regarding uh, rights that women didn't have that now we enjoy today. For example, 
women have are able to have their own credit card, their own bank account. They can work in m- most jobs. They can um, hold political office. They can have decisions on behalf of their own children um, and their own uh, you know, choices in, in many areas. They can get into any Ivy League school. These were not rights that women enjoyed prior to the passage of the 19th Amendment. And over time, they were granted to us um, after a lot of long, hard struggles. So we just want to pause at this juncture and just commemorate this moment because a hundred years ago, I'm pretty sure uh, that's what these women were hoping we would do, is that they we would be grateful for what they fought so hard for and so long for. So we're going to be talking to a few people today about what that means to us. And yeah, just sit back, listen, enjoy, and maybe you'll learn a few things. My first guest in this episode today is my daughter, Bella. She's 12. She loves history. She's strong and sportsy and smart and artistic and friendly and extroverted and loves to perform on stage and can do a lot of acting and she just brings a smile to a lot of people's faces. And she's not yet voted, but we talk about that and what it means to her. Check it out. Hello, Bella. Thanks for being on this podcast. Hello. So this uh, episode, we're talking about about, um, the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote in the United States of America. And Mm -hmm. it's a very complicated history. Um, The story is, um, it's full of a lot of hard work on behalf of a lot of women over 100 years ago that had worked for many years to help us get this right. Um, But the, and that's the good news, that they worked hard and it worked and after all that effort, um, it was passed. The 19th Amendment happened and today we get to vote because of that. The hard part of the story is that they made some choices, um, the women in this movement who are white women, to not include women of color in the movement. So Bruh. it only gave white women the right to vote when it first happened. Yeah. And it wasn't until many years later that women of color were able to vote. And even today, there's still some voter suppression that makes it hard for certain women of color to, to be able to vote. Still? So I know. It's, it's really hard. Uh, and that part is really... Uh, challenging. So when we talk about this amendment passing, we're not celebrating those bad decisions that were made, those ways that they excluded others and um, didn't really do the right thing, which would be try to get more votes for everyone. Instead, it was really more focused on the the white women. Um, But we are grateful that that amendment passed and it allows women to vote today so that when um, the issues related to women of color were worked out, now we have you know, more opportunity for, for everybody to vote, although there's still work to be done. But we're just going to focus in this episode on the moment of women getting the right to vote and what that meant. So you're not voting age yet. You're just, you're 12. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and so I just wanted our listeners to kind of hear from a 12-year-old perspective. You finished sixth grade. You're about to go into seventh grade. And when you think about the fact that it's been a 100- hundred... About to? Oh, sorry. You're starting seventh grade. <laughs> You've been in school for a week. <laughs> um, 
as we think about uh, the women that fought hard in order to get the right to vote and the ability for you to vote one day when you turn 18 and six years, uh, what does that mean to you, the, be able, the right that you will be able to vote when you turn 18 and six years? I think that's sick. <laughs> I get to vote. Uh, sorry, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, because I could make my own decisions, do things, vote. Doesn't isn't like a long process. <laughs> no, I'll still do it. I mean, either way. But. There's a lot of different ways to vote. That's a good question. There's um, you can vote by mailing in your ballot. You Ooh. can vote by going to the polls. And for you, you're in most of your life, you've grown up overseas, and so you've seen me mailing in b- b- ballots. I was also able. I to- have. Um, maybe you didn't notice. <laughs> um, I did turn one in at the Singapore, at the embassy one time, the American yeah. embassy. I don't know if you were there for that one. That was the last election. But, um, yeah, so there's a lot of different ways to vote. Um, it doesn't really take that long, but what does it mean to you that your voice gets heard and that it gets counted and, um, yeah. Equal rights. Yeah. For 12-year-olds to vote. I'm joking. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think it's cool that I get to, like, make my own decisions and, like, um, choose someone, you know, because, like, um, you know, half of the country. Is, is there more women than boys in the world or men or that? Either way, same? It's, it's, same? it's relatively half and half, yeah. So, yeah, you know, like, half of the population before wasn't even able to vote. Like, that's just crazy. You're just, like, feeling, oh, only, it's like saying, oh, only people from Texas get to vote. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, is it? I don't know. I don't think they're wrong, but yeah, it's, 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 it'd be cool that I get to like vote when I'm older and that I have the chance to, and if I were in, um, full, a long time ago, how, what was it, like, a hundred years ago, like, mm-hmm. 1920 is when it, August 18th of 1920. Bruh, that's, 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 wow. It's a long time ago, yeah. But in in terms of U.S. history, it's not been that long ago when you think about it. When the Constitution was, um, you know, July Fourth, seventeen seventy six, is when America declared its independence. At least there's something good in twenty twenty, hundredth anniversary. That's, one thing that's good. Yeah, that's one thing that's good. Well, there's we definitely in a year like this one need to uh, commemorate what we can, <laughs> right? And remember those who've gone before us who paved the way, whether they were. right in every way, we can celebrate the ways that they were right, which was giving us the right to vote. Yeah, no one's all perfect. That's just facts. That's just Mm -hmm. how it goes, I guess. Yeah. But we do live in a, um, we are citizens of a country where the, whether we're perfect or not, our voice gets to be heard. And so, do you think it's important for people to vote? You may not realize this, but there's a very small percentage of the U.S. population that in any given election will actually vote. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Do you think actually, more- I don't think every actually not everyone can vote. Like if you've been in jail before, you can't. You got taken. You bah, I can't speak. Oh my God. Um, you get taken the right to vote. So I guess that's a thing that happens. Yeah. Um, but even those who are excluding that, those who are just a hundred percent eligible to vote, very few actually end up voting. Like why? Just vote. Like if if it, if you're too lazy to and you really don't care, then sure. But like. Why not? I mean, I guess there's a the percentage of people in America that are poor, I guess, and probably can't. 
Is that a thing? If you're poor, can you vote? I think that's so, good. This you is should. a really good question. It is hard, especially if you're in an area where mailing in votes hasn't been allowed because that is a little bit of a variety around the different states. Um, if you're having to take off work and go to the poll to cast your ballot, and if there's a long line especially, and you're working a job where you may get, maybe get hourly wages or you're scared you might lose your job, it does make it harder to vote in those situations. So there are things that aren't equitable necessarily um, for those who are in salaried jobs and maybe able to take a personal day or something like that. Um, so there are conversations around how we should do a better job in the United States of making it easier for people to vote. Yeah. Do you think that's good? Do you think that it's okay not to vote? Um, I mean, I think... If you can't, if it's hard, I understand. Mm-hmm. But if you can, I guess, I mean, I'm not going to judge you. I'm it's like, I mean, I don't, I, I'm kind of like half and half. I'm, I don't, I don't like taking sides on stuff. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's, you can see how it would be hard for people. I, I see how it can be hard for people. Yes. Yeah. But I can also see why people are like, you know, everyone should vote because, you know, we want your, because we, we, I guess it un, it's understandable that you would want kind of the whole America and not just like a specific time for, because like the whole, everyone in America is getting influenced by the president mm-hmm. and what his or hers decision that they would be making. So it would, yeah, it, it would be good if you could have most I understand both sides because I know it's a big controversy that people have and honestly like I can see both sides and I I don't think I want to pick a side um, I might want to molder and um you know that's just my way of going on things I guess mm-hmm. and I like to pick the pros and cons of both sides and mm-hmm. I guess that's good stuff yeah it's good to listen and I think that's the point of everybody voting is not everybody in America is going to vote the same way but it's important to hear from everyone's voice. And so because of women who fought hard for the 19th Amendment, all, um, and then those who fought for voting rights for people of color, um, now you know, we have that right. Everybody has that right. We get to hear everybody's vote, which voting is letting your voice be heard. And that's you know a, a blessing we have to be citizens of a nation that allows us that. Yeah. So my last question for you is if you could go and meet the women who were protesting over a hundred years ago and working really hard and being put in jail, having forced feedings, having people make fun of them and bully them and tell them, you know, what they were doing was wrong. Um, and they kept fighting and they kept working and now you have the right to vote once you're of age. What would you say to them today if you could meet them? Thank you. <laughs> For letting us what? Very nice. What is that accent? I don't. I don't even. In your in your normal voice. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you for doing the helpful things that you do in the world of America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the well, English think, is hard. <laughs> I think the best way you could thank them would probably be when you turn eighteen to vote. Oh. I want to hug them. I know. I want to, like, take a picture with them. <laughs> like, I want to show them what technology is, and they'll be like, this is super cool. What's technology? <laughs> well, 
Well, thanks for being on the show today. When you turn 18, I look forward to hearing what your opinions are then and for you and maybe... Maybe my... once I'm 18, I can be on the podcast again and like end up a bubble. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe one day your daughter will be on here talking about how she's voting. We'll all be grateful for all the women who work so hard and the men who voted to let it happen. Amen. Whoop, whoop, whoop. The second person I interviewed today is my mom. You guys heard her on a previous episode, but on this one, we talk about her memories about what it was like for women in her family to vote when she was a child because people that she knew when she was a child that were much older than her had been around when the 19th Amendment was passed and it was fresh for them and they appreciated it. So listen to what she has to say. Growing up in the 60s in rural Kentucky, um, voting was an expectation in my family. Uh, this is not something that was discussed of whether people would vote. It would just, There was a lot of discussion of issues, um, comparing contrast among the adults in the family, both women and men, sometimes separately, sometimes together uh, in mixed groups. And us children were were hanging around listening and expected to listen as we got older, expected to participate. My grandfather, who I called Papa Lewis, used to take time to teach me about politics and the importance of participatory democracy. Um, my mom took me with her when she went to vote. I went into the booth, and back then you had a little lever you would push, and the curtains would close behind you, um, and you pulled levers, and she taught me about the candidates, who it was, what she was doing, how it worked. So I was a participant uh, as a child in the voting process. She talked to me about how important it was for women to vote, uh, how that our voices needed to be counted, not just heard, but counted. Um, in my family, I don't think anybody ever talked to me a lot about the about women's suffrage. I, my, I did hear about it. They did talk about it, but it was more like um, that's when that's when women got the right to vote, but you need to keep this process going. You can get the right and not exercise the right, and it's meaningless. So I'm very grateful. I had no idea what I was being taught, the richness of what was being taught to me, not just by words, but by modeling, uh, being a participant, an active participant in our democracy. So I'm grateful for that and just really grateful to be able to celebrate 100 years today of um, the start of, women, of women's suffrage where we have the right to vote. So women get out and vote. Well, you've heard it here, everyone. My mom has told you to go vote. So you must vote. <laughs> Frida Adams has said, go vote. Men and women, get out there and vote. It would just be really nice if we saw just way more numbers, percentages of people in the United States of America, both mailing in their overseas votes, which I did for 20 solid years, both from Indonesia and Singapore, and also just mailing in your votes in the United States. Uh, COVID's making it hard to go stand in line and be around people you know, where you might get sick, um, or in certain situations where you can be socially distanced and you have 
time to wait in those long lines, it's, it's worth it. We want to hear everyone's voice this time. I do hope at some point, maybe in the next election, four years from now, in 2024, we get the chance to elect a woman, you know, not just any woman, but a, a good one, a qualified one, one who will lead us well. When we look around the world at the statistics about peace process and last, lasting peace, the one factor that seems to really stand out is women being able to be involved in those political decisions. And we certainly want our nation to be at peace, both in the United States at home and abroad. Um, but for many reasons, you know, we've had only male presidents in the United States of America. We've had all kinds. We've had some amazing leaders, just inspirational, you know, history-making, life-changing, caring, strong character presidents in this nation. And we've had some just total duds. I mean, just what was that? And then we've had some pretty horrible ones that did a lot of damage. And so in the future, it would just be nice to list all the different women who've been able to be presidents and be like, there were some amazing, inspirational, life-changing, you know, brave ones. And there were some duds. And then there were some, maybe some horrible ones too. We don't want the horrible ones, but (laughs) it would just be nice to have a chance to see women lead both in voting and taking political office of all kinds um, and even leading our nation at different points. I've looked around the world during COVID and seen in Germany and in New Zealand and in um, several other countries that have women leaders that have led just so well during COVID. And I just would love to see the chance for the United States to do that. So maybe in four years. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're one of those people and you feel like, you know, there's something tugging at you to just make a difference in this way. It's, it is a hard place to step in. I, I can't imagine, you know, wanting to do that or finding a role to do that in, as a woman. Uh, I think it's, it's tough, but we need that first one. We need, we need somebody to do it and do it well. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but I hope in four years we have a different scenario. And that when my daughter does go to vote, when she's 18 or will be a little bit older by the time she gets the chance to vote for a presidential election because of the, because she's 12 and that would be in six years. But uh, yeah, I hope that she gets to vote for a woman that gets elected one day too. And that that inspires our daughters and our granddaughters to just know that their decisions matter and that they can make decisions, not just in voting, but even in leading in different ways. So get out there and vote. And just realize that we have that right, and it's because of the women and men who help make that decision for all of us. Our next episode is starting a brand new series on immigration. I want to strongly urge you to listen to each of the episodes in the immigration series because you are not going to want to miss the really important things we're talking about at this time. I have some really amazing friends of mine who are going to be guests on the show, and they have so much to say. They have such a strong voice in this area. They challenge us. They'll give us stories. They'll help change our mindset. They will help us empathize and also know how we can make a difference, both systemically and in practical ways. 
and they're gonna share information that maybe you didn't know before, maybe you hadn't read before or you hadn't seen with your own eyes. So come with an open mind and an open heart and next episode, you will get to hear from my friend, Alan Cross. You may have read some of his articles in the New York Times and a few other places where he writes. He is a Baptist pastor who I met um, over 20 years ago here in California um, when we were both studying uh, for our master's degrees and he pastored for around 20 years in Alabama and he was in Montgomery right in a seat where a lot of systemic racism and historically some really you know pivotal moments happened in our nation's history around racism but also during that time he saw the situation with immigration really change in the southern part of the United States and he started to ask questions about how he could both advocate and receive immigrants well. So you will get to hear about his advocacy work, his writing, the things that he's seen around our nation, and some practical ways we can help even now to be better at receiving and understanding and knowing the true stories about really what goes on with immigrants. So you're not going to want to miss that. So please tune in next week for our episode on immigration, starting that series with Alan Cross. Take care, guys. If you haven't registered to vote, go to vote.gov, that's vote.gov, to register to vote if you are a United States citizen, either living in the United States or living overseas to find out how to register to vote.